Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this evening. It's good to see healed people. Amen. I rejoice. He's a healer. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Last Wednesday, or last Wednesday, last Thursday night, I wouldn't have had to take off my shoes to count the people here. I could just do it with my hands. And so it's, uh, thank the Lord for healing. Amen. He is a healer. And, uh, you know, if the Lord could give us a revelation of all that he's already done and the privilege as sons of God to simply walk in what he's already done. Um, there's so much he has already done. He's accomplished it. And so we have promises not for the future in that regard, but we have promises for the present to walk in. To walk in. Amen. I want to abide in Him. In Him. Uh, I have been loving the, you know, I. We have the privilege of hearing from different ones of you all the time, different things, you know, runs the gamut. You all communicate, you know how that works. Man, it's just been a week of testimonies. Um, I've been so thankful for that. I've had a, uh, how many of you have been um, reading Psalm 91 aloud in your home this week? Anybody? Quite a few of you. Uh, I've gotten, I, I gotten a couple reports this week. At random times, just saying, wow, the word. I was reading this with my family, and man, the word. I, we felt the power of the word. And uh, I got another report that said, man, just trying to read that, it, it changes everything. I, the word is, it's all in the word. The, and, you know, that obviously that sounds like, well, simple to us. But that was so rich to me because I realized, Okay, the word is ministering to someone, right? It's the living word of God. And so there's something when we speak his word. Amen. So I'm, I've been thinking a lot about the first verse, and I think it's the 14th verse, right? In Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. All those other verses... All those promises of all those other verses are predicated on that first verse. Where I'm dwelling and where I'm abiding. All those things about noise and pestilence and darkness and all these things. and All, all of that is predicated on where I'm dwelling and where I'm abiding. That's why later on the psalmist said, He's made the most high His habitation. He was reiterating again about abiding. Amen. So I'm thankful for the privilege of abiding in him, for the power of the word of God. 
Amen. Um, you can be seated if you'd like to this evening. Praise God. Uh, I, I would I would ask and encourage continue reading that chapter aloud at least the remainder of this month like we talked about there's something about continuing to speak the word in our homes with our families and then you know, our children begin to lay hold on the word of God and so they they hear all kinds of stuff why not let them hear the word of God and I know you're doing that so um, amen this Sunday Hard to believe it's already the end of January, but here we are. I don't know how that happened, but it's true. And uh, I, I want to say to all of you that have week in and week out continually given yourselves to fasting, this ongoing month of fasting, and your commitment to that, I know that some days, sometimes doesn't it seem like that when your day's coming up, something's going on, it's like, oh, really but the unity of the spirit that I felt from so many and the reports of and we're seeing the result of I believe uh, an Isaiah 58 fast like we talked about at the beginning of the month and touched on even on Sunday where we're hearing and seeing the result of things that are taking place because of obedience to the word of God Praying the prayer of faith in agreement with the Spirit and the Word of God. You know, the Word's true. It's true. The beautiful thing about that chapter in Isaiah 50, we didn't choose that fast. The Lord said, is not this the fast I chose? He chose it. And so your engagement in that in unity uh, when you do so in that manner, that's not to benefit self, but to benefit the captive, to loose bonds, to break yoke. And then the Lord plants you. That's a beautiful thing. The Lord plants you and me. Trees of righteousness. So thank you for your commitment to fasting. It would be my hope that the patterns, I don't mean just repetition, you understand? I'm talking about the pattern in your relationship and consecration. It would be my hope that your pattern that has developed even in January and fasting and the results we've seen in that, that it would continue as a pattern of your life as we move into the months ahead. Amen? It does something in us, doesn't it? This is the work of God's Spirit and His Word. And so thank you for that. Um, amen. This Sunday morning, of course, we'll have service at 10. Um, I'm sure many of you saw the message. Uh, but just in case, Sunday night we will return at 6.30. For those that would like to, we'll have a time and a season of prayer followed by communion where we will remember the Lord's blood and body according to the word of God. I believe it will be a special and sacred time and I'm believing the Holy Ghost to meet with us and minister among us. Amen? So that's this Sunday night. Praise God. Other announcements we'll share maybe at the close of service. Amen? Glad you're here tonight. I have um, 
last Thursday night, I think it was last Thursday night, might have been a couple ago, uh, was here, like many of you, before service and was talking uh, with some individuals and was unplanned, but I said, hey, uh, I think I'm going to call on you young men next Thursday night. You just got a week notice. And so uh, I don't know if they like the notice, or, but here we are. And so um, would you open your heart and receive tonight? Would you be willing to do that? And uh, Brother Renee, would you come? Why don't we just pray together one more time and would we open our heart to hear whatever God has dealt with these young men about. I believe that they've been spending time with God and that God can talk to us through them as vessels. I'm certain of it. Lord Jesus, we trust in you and your word. We yield ourselves as vessels unto you. Father, it is you that does the work. We humble ourselves in your presence and we pray the ministry of your spirit and word through your body to your body. In Jesus' name, we trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Amen. I'm not used to a mic, so uh, I hope you uh, bear with me if I sound too loud or too soft. Um. I just want to go straight into the word. Can we go to Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 1? The word of God says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Uh, I believe it's a fair statement to say that most, if not all of us, have been on the receiving end of that scripture at one point or another. And so the spirit of the Lord was upon someone to reach us. I believe that. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> um, all of us have been in a place where we've been bound, where we've been captive, where we've been brokenhearted. And the Lord sent someone to preach good tidings unto the meek as well. And so I wanted to do a quick search on the word meek. Um, the word meek says... The word meek is used plenty of times in the scriptures. It's used to describe humble. It's used to describe poor. It's used to describe lowly. Some would even say afflicted or of heavy burden. And so the, the word says that he forgetteth not the cry of the humble in Psalms 9:12. And the spirit of the Lord will reach to us in a time of need when we seem most vulnerable. And I wanted to pick on that that the mighty God in Christ would uh, have special interest in someone that would be considered despised or rejected. 
or low, poor, uh, afflicted. Uh, it seems like meek has a negative implication by our own standards. You know, no one wants to be known as meek. No one wants to be known as, no one wants to acknowledge that they're captive, sure. But the Lord says that there's a blessing on that. In Matthew 5, 5, you know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so going forward in Isaiah 61, 2 and 3, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And I see this as a blessing because blessed is he that would get beauty for ashes, and blessed is he that would get oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Um, I feel a burden to share that the Spirit of God is not upon us only to just receive, but also to go forth. He has anointed us to go preach good tidings. Because freely we have received, freely give. And so my prayer is a desire of God that he would use us in the same way that he spoke to Isaiah all those years ago. And so my desire, and I guess I should say, can we ask for the desire of God when we pray that the same way the Lord used someone in our lives, the same way we could reach to others? In Jesus' name, all of it for the very last reason in Isaiah 61.3 that it says that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord and that he might be glorified. In Jesus' name. Could we ask that of the Lord, that he would move on us to reach others the way he wants us to reach? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we humble ourselves before you today that your will would be done, Jesus, that we would submit ourselves to you tonight, that you would be glorified, that you would have your way and be exalted, God. Not my will, but thine be done, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word that is perfect. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Many of you guys probably know uh, Brother Renee and I hang out quite a bit. Uh, so it's cool to see him up here and, <laughs> and share something. And a lot of times him and I have conversations and we'll talk about this stuff. And so uh, to see him get to share it with other people too is makes me happy to see, and um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it later, too, about what was going through our minds and stuff, but um, 
I think it's pretty clear what, what God has been speaking to us for this whole month. Um, we started with, with Bishop talking about submitting, I think it was on a Sunday, and about humbling ourselves, and, and that led into to Elder Hart talking about foot washing, and it led to Sunday night where we had the foot washing service, and, and submitting ourselves to, to our brothers and to our sisters, and, and recognizing that that we want to be servants one to another, that, that we're not better than, or, but we're to humble ourselves before one another. And, and I've just, this past week, I've, I guess, noticed a, a culmination of everything that's been happening this month, starting with that and, and then going into Isaiah 61. And um, it may sound repetitive, but it, it just goes to show that this is where the Lord has the church right now. And... I was hearing before service, it was just me, my dad, and Renee were here, and they were talking about something, and Brother Renee shared a scripture that uh, my dad and I had just been talking about before Renee got here, and it was James 5, 6, 5.16, um, you know, pray one for another that you may be healed. Um, you're not doing that for yourself. It's, it's when you pray for somebody else humbly with a humble spirit that you receive benefit from that but that's not your intention when you go to that place and I don't really have any scripture to share I brought my bible just to make you all feel better I guess but um, <laughs> just want to I want to share a testimony of something that happened this week um, it was Monday night I got off work it was a great day for as far as Mondays go um, and as I often do, I, I like to go to a coffee shop on in the evenings. I, working from home, that's kind of the downside. Normally, you want to get home and just unwind. But for me, it's like, I've been home all day. I need to get out of the house when, when evening comes. And so I went to a coffee shop, and I was there for about 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't, I don't know why I came here tonight. What am I doing? And so I uh, ordered some food and, and went back home. And, and the Lord's really been talking to me about finding a place with him and truly going to a place where you just go to hear him. Um, and because in the evenings I'm like, man, I'm home all day, it's, it's easy for me to go somewhere and, and then maybe make excuses like, Lord, why am I not hearing you? It's like, well, man, I need to just be still. I need to stay home some nights maybe. And so that, that Monday, that's, that's how I was feeling. I, I just need to go home and just, just get alone with God and um, so I went home and sat on the couch and just tried to start reading and, and praying and just reading Isaiah 61. And uh, on Sunday, Elder Hart mentioned, you know, memorizing those first three verses of Isaiah 61. And so I was just going over those verses and it, it still felt like I was just hitting a brick wall. Was, Man, this is, I don't know what's going on. This is not what I was hoping for for tonight. I was ready to go home and just find a place of prayer and have the Lord do something. I was ready for it, and uh, it wasn't happening. Um, and I don't know about you all, but oftentimes I find myself in those times where I start to question, Lord, what, what's going on? Like, what, what, why am I feeling this way? Why, why is... Why can't I get anywhere? I, I'm trying to, to give myself to this, but I'm, I'm not getting anywhere, and 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 I begin to think of of Joseph, like was talked about on Sunday, and 
I realized that in all of that, I was still focused on myself. I was still wondering, God, why am I feeling this way? Why can't I press through? Why, why can't I get to this, this place that I'm wanting to go to? And, and, and so finally, I just I turned off the light, just laid on the floor, and just wanted to get as close to God as I could. And I didn't know what to pray. I tried to pray everything I knew to pray, but by that point, I realized, God, I can't do this. This isn't something I can do on my own. And I, I laid on the floor and, and just waited. And, and then, with I don't know what happened. It was like a, a switch just flipped, and I began to pray Isaiah 61. And, just, and I don't know about you all, but this whole week, I feel like the Lord has helped me memorize it, like, quicker than I've ever memorized any verses before. And so as I was laying there, I just began to pray, the Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me. He's upon you. He has anointed us. The Lord has anointed us to preach good tidings to the meek. Not for myself, but for others, for those around me, for those that, that will come into every day. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted for those that don't know where to go, that don't have an answer. God has sent us. The anointing is upon us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I pray the opening of the prison doors, God, in Jesus' name. Could we just wait on him right now? God, whatever you want to do. I pray your spirit be upon us tonight in Jesus' name. To go in boldness and in faith to preach good tidings unto those that will humble themselves to receive your word, I pray. To speak of your goodness, of your love, of your grace, and your mercy that you have shown us, God. Lord, I pray the binding up of the broken heart in Jesus' name. I proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. As Renee said, freely we have received, freely we give. Lord, I pray your anointing that's upon us that we would go with boldness and speak in Jesus' name. That you might be glorified, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, the declaring of that in prayer, as we were praying, the Lord took my mind to Peter in prison when I think it was Herod that put him there. Because he had killed James and saw that it pleased the Jew, or, yeah, pleased the Jews, and so he put Peter in prison. It was going to do the same. Remember that story in Acts. I've never thought about this before. I, 
You know, sometimes we pray something and then we're like, God, I prayed it. I prayed it, Lord. This, this memorizing of Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 is not just so we can say, okay, I've got it in my head. I believe the Holy Ghost is wanting to implant it in our spirit to where we believe the Word of God, believe our place in the Word of God, and believe our function where the Spirit of the Lord functions through us, that anointing, the Spirit of the Lord on us, and it operates according to His Word. Now, Peter was in prison. What was the church doing? They were doing what? What were they praying? They were praying for Peter. Right? I don't know, but I'm not trying to add to Scripture. But, you know, they didn't have the New Testament. The Holy Ghost was on them. I just wonder if they were there gathered in whoever's house that was. I forgot now. Go read it later. I just wonder that one of them started praying Isaiah 61. Lord, I pray the opening of the prison where Peter's held captive. And, you know, the angel of the Lord showed up in the prison, didn't he? And while they were praying, Peter was not just in prison. The Bible says he was in the inner prison. Which apparently there was more than one door that had to be open for him to be set at liberty. And so as we were praying, I felt like the Holy Ghost was saying to me, you've got to keep praying because there's some captives that are inside inner prisons and your prayers working, but they're not completely out yet. And so you've just got to keep praying the prayer of faith. I'm opening doors, but for some, there's multiple doors that have to be open before they're set free. And so the church must continue in prayer until. Until. Until what? Until we see the prisoner set free. Until we see. I, I, I couldn't help. I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. And I'm probably in trouble already now. But my mind, I couldn't help. It's beautiful that... Uh, Sister Esperanza Zamora was filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday in service. And I can't help but think of the testimony of we just drove by and we felt like the Lord told us we need to go there. Here's what I believe happened. I believe a church giving itself to prayer and the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to pray. And as we're praying, what is He doing? He's binding up the brokenhearted. He's, the Spirit of the Lord is doing this through the people of God. Now, Will there be action and initiation outside of our prayer closet? Absolutely. But anything that God does through us outside the prayer closet, I promise you, started in the prayer closet. It was birthed in the closet of prayer. In Jesus' name. Why don't we pray again? Would you do that? Would you just talk to the Lord again? When he's wanting to use every one of us, whosoever will, whosoever will.
Whosoever will. Whosoever will. Your purpose, Lord. Your purpose, Lord. Your purpose, Lord. We're we're bouncing a little bit here, but I, this element of the focus shifting off of ourselves is I find myself thinking of these different ones in Scripture. And I, again, as these young men were ministering, I started thinking about Jacob. Jacob was, you know, Jacob means heel grabber. He was a heel grabber. And uh, Jacob was a conniver. Jacob was a manipulator. And it was always about benefiting him. Everything was to benefit him. And so his mom helped with that a little bit. And so then he ends up fleeing. But then the Lord gives him the word, go back. Well, he's a little concerned about doing what the Lord says because he's left some things back there, namely a brother that he... brother that he had harmed and he had to go back and he knew I'm going to have to face my brother you know the story and he finds himself stopping the night before when he hears I'm going to meet him and he's praying the Bible says he takes some rocks and makes them his pillow I don't know how that works, man. They were tough men back then. And of course, you know that you know the story of Jacob's ladder. Heard that story. Jacob makes the statement, he says, Surely the, the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. And think about that. How difficult would it be for God to be where we are and not know it? The issue was Jacob's awareness. His awareness. He was distracted by how he was going to take care of himself. He was distracted. And he was consumed with all of his thoughts about everything else that was going on. And I got to protect my family. I got to protect my stuff. I'm going to meet my. And Jacob, God visited him, but he didn't know it because he was distracted. The Lord, what it's going to take, we need an awareness. I'm praying for God to give us awareness. Awareness of his ever presence. 
omnipresent. There's the word I'm looking for. An awareness. I don't want to fall into that trap. I'm like, man, God was here when I passed through that coffee shop. God was here when I was working today, but I didn't know it. An awareness every moment, every day, everywhere, recognizing as the body of Christ, give us an awareness. Amen. Amen. Bishop. Good evening. Nice to be in Sela with y'all. I was thinking about different elements and dynamic between God and his promises, his direction to men. Okay. The Lord told Moses and Aaron, go before Pharaoh. And tell him, let my people go. That was God's instruction to Moses. But he said, he ain't going to do it. I'm going to harden his heart. So, so wait a minute now. You, you're giving me direction. You're giving me instruction to go and do this specific thing. But you're going to cause the circumstances to resist the very thing that you're asking me to do? Say. Share further, please. Now you go to the dynamic of Joseph. Joseph has been given direction for the future through dreams. And then all circumstances appear to oppose the things that God indicated he was going to bring about. There's one more element I want to share. Can you bring up Genesis 22, please, at verse uh, 3? So remember the first dynamic. God gives direction, gives instruction. Go do this thing. But I am going to let you know the very thing I've asked you to do is going to be opposed. Because I'm going to cause them to oppose you. Joseph has direction, but completely out of his hands. Completely out of his hands, all circumstances shift. And for the, for the largest part of his early life, everything opposes the direction God indicated he was going to do. You know, there's things, there's times we hold on to promises. God gives us faith that he's going to do something. Somehow it might involve moi. 
and we hold on to those things through the years, through the years, through the years. Now, this dynamic is completely different. Abraham, I am going to multiply you like the stars of the heaven, like the sand of the seashore. You are going to have so many grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And literally, there will be multiplied thousands and thousands of people that are going to come through your lineage. I know your wife's barren. But I am making a promise to you. Circumstances, immediate circumstances, oppose what God says he's going to do. How many here tonight, at some point in your life already, you believe the Lord has showed you things or told you things about your future, and you're willing to admit it? Okay, many hands all around the room, right? This is a completely different dynamic. Abraham rose up early in the morning. Oh, he told Abraham, you know, I, I, I told, you know that promise I made to you? I'm going to multiply your seed. And I said it's going to come through this boy, Isaac. I have instruction for you. I want you to take Isaac up on Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there. So this isn't something that's completely out of his control. This isn't just circumstances arising opposing the direction God's gave him. Now he's getting instruction from God himself that appeared to oppose completely the direction and the future he has gave him. What do you do with that? Well, first you question whether you heard from God or not. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son. <clears throat> he claved the wood for the burnt offering, rose up, and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place Afar off. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. God's gave him direction for the future. He's gave him promise for the future. 
But at some point before promises are fulfilled, he gives him instruction. He doesn't give him a suggestion. He's not advising him. He is giving him instruction. And a man has to decide whether he can obey the instruction when it's in direct opposition to the very promise that God gave him. This is a dynamic that we are rarely ever faced with. But can and some will. Abraham's faith took him to a place of complete obedience, having no idea how God could fulfill his promise. He believed the promise. He believed the direction. He believed he heard from God and had came to the resolve, I'm going to obey him. No matter what. This is a dimension of faith that I want to walk in. He gave us these examples of all these different elements and dimension. And then shows us. And these are written for our admonition. For our understanding that when our time comes and he gives instruction, I may have hung my hat on the promises of God. I may have hung my hat on the future that I know. And there are many witnesses. And then God gives instruction. I don't know if it's the ultimate test. Not just to raise the knife. Over his loved, waited for child, or simply to obey God's instruction when it seems to oppose something he already told him. I'd say there's probably far too many that would argue and say, God wouldn't do that. It's obviously a complete trust. It is a blind trust. And the dynamic of our world continues to move on and change. And circumstances are presenting themselves today that we've not seen. I would say there's more to come. I would say there's more to come, and he can give us such faith and obedience to his instruction. Unwavering, unquestioning. Amen? It's the word of God.
Amen. God bless you. It's the word of God. Amen. I want to go there. I want to go there. I'm not there. believe his word do you I uh, I want to quote the scripture properly the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. James 2. Um, that's not the one I'm looking for, though. Um, it might be in Hebrews, but you'll find it. I, I don't want to belabor searching there, but you can go look. It says of Abraham... That his faith was such that he believed God could raise his son, would raise his son back from the dead after he killed him, after he sacrificed him. And this is, when I say I want to go there, it's this place that he went that is revealed, you know, a lot of what we read in the Old Testament, we don't get a full picture of until we read the New Testament. You know, Moses said when he argued with the Lord, I can't talk, I'm slow of speech. I'm... But then when you read in the book of Acts about Moses, it said he was eloquent of speech. Right? You read about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah wrestling with what God said he was going to do in the Old Testament. Then you read in the New Testament in Hebrews, and it said, by faith, they... Hold on a minute. See, the Old Testament lets us see their humanity. The New Testament lets us see their faith in God. But it, it said, the, the Scripture says, and I believe it's in Hebrews, that the Lord... Thank you. Hebrews eleven nineteen. Go back to verse 18 just so I, we get context here. 17, sorry. By faith, nobody say faith. When he was tried, Abraham offered Isaac, and he that had received the promises, that's Abraham, offered up his only begotten son, verse 18, of whom it was said, now, now we're seeing what the promise was, this is the promise you have, that in Isaac shall your seed be called. So he had this promise, not like, oh, maybe God's got another son waiting for me. See, sometimes we think, okay, well, I thought I heard from God. Like Bishop said, no, Abraham heard. He knew this is the one. 
But watch his, this is his faith. This is why I said, I want to go there, but I'm not there. This is his faith. Accounting or believing, trusting, knowing, having faith that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That's faith. I heard from God. In my son, Isaac, is where the promise is coming. And I also heard from God to take this son and offer him for a sacrifice. And I'm so sure of what God told me about the promise in my son. And I'm so sure of what God told me to offer my son. That because I'm obeying God's word and God cannot lie then my faith is such that when I carry out what God told me to do, God, because of his first word to me, will have to raise him from the dead after I obey him. Because both of them are words from God. And I don't understand his way, but I believe and trust in his word. And so even, you understand, Abraham was going to go through with it. But he wasn't going to go through with it like, oh, well, I just don't believe what God said. I missed it the first time. That's what Hebrews reveals to us. Hebrews reveals to us that he still believed what God told him about Isaac. And so what he determined was in faith, because what God told me is true. And because I'm now acting in obedience to God, then God must plan to raise him from the dead after I obey him. Because he can't lie. And even what I'm doing in obedience seems to be contrary to what he's already told me. Then it must mean he's going to do something supernatural to bring about the promise that he gave me. That's faith. And it was counted to him for righteousness or right relationship with God. I'm not there yet. Stand with me. Now, when I say I'm not there yet, that's not a, that's not a, a passing of guilt on self or anyone else. They say, man, I'm just not spiritual enough. It's somewhere the Lord by his word is showing us. I'm going to take you some. And you're going to have to either stand on the word of God. And hold fast to the word of God. And believe the word of God in faith. Yeah, but no. God said. God said. God said. I think it would be good to find a place of prayer. God said. God said. Lord, I pray increase our faith according to this word that we've heard from you. We'll receive it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Let me give you one more dimension. So, it's one thing when you say, well, I, I heard from God, and I know what the Lord told me to do. Of course, the Bible instructs us to obey those that have the rule over you. So what if now that instruction comes from men, men of God? In your mind, well, but I know the Lord's already told me about my future, and that doesn't line up with my future. Do I question first, is he really a man of God? No, you have to resolve that in the beginning. You have to resolve that first. And when the Bible speaks of us submitting ourselves, it is hearing, receiving, and considering, or obeying. Brings another dimension into it, doesn't it? He's going to give us practice. We could probably keep going. We probably won't. There is the element of time. Time. Abraham was 75 years old when the Lord told him, leave your father's house. Go to a place I'm going to show you, and there I'll make of you a great nation. Sounds good. 75. Here we go. Then he was 86 when he decided, I got to do this on my own. And he listened to Sarah and they, he had a child by the name of Ishmael with Hagar. He was 86 years old at that point. 11 years it went by. 86. Then he just started praying, Lord, fulfill your word, your promise through Ishmael. What I produced. God bless what I've done. Take your promise to me, God, and bless what I produced in my flesh. Make that the promise. Lord said, I'll honor your prayer and I'll bless Ishmael, but that's not the promise. Okay, just a couple more years. Right. Thirteen more years. Ninety-nine years old. Twenty-four years from his first obedience. Thirteen years after Ishmael. The Lord waited till he got to a point where he couldn't produce it in his flesh. Sarah asked the question, shall I, now that I'm past the point of children, shall I? Waited till they got to where they couldn't produce the promise in their flesh. 
There's a principle there. And I'll tell you what happens. I know from my own experience, unfortunately. There are things the Lord speaks to us. And then life and time happens. And we find ourselves in a place in life, still in relationship with God. Where we go, Lord, I believe you, but I just don't believe you. I, I don't see how now. I want to believe you, God. I, I just don't see how now. Not young anymore, as young. When I was when I was twenty seven, and you spoke these specific things, I could see it. I'm fifty one now. I'm in a different place in life. Life has different things now. I want to believe you, but I don't see it. Time has a way. I really feel the conviction of the Lord personally. That I need to reach back and lay hold on the word again. And profess, Lord, I believe. I don't see how I, I can't. I'd imagine if you're older than I am, it's even harder sometimes in some circumstances. Jesus, we receive your word. I hold to your word. I pray the rekindling of the word of God in the heart of the people of God. What you have said you will do, you will bring it to pass. You are God. You know the end from the beginning because you're the author and the finisher. With men, it's impossible. But with you, all things are possible. Oh, somebody's got to reach. Somebody's got to reach. You, you, you've shelved some words of God. I, you've just shelved some words of God, and you've... When you originally shelved them, you said, I'll come back and pick that up later. But what's happened over time is you just determined, nah, I'm going to leave it there. And I feel such a clarity of the Lord saying, would you? In Jesus' name. I don't know how, but he does. He does. 
He does. Praise God. Yeah. Why don't we stand? A lot was said about Joseph. He had faith. Didn't he? He had faith. He was dying. He was dying. And he told What did he say? Don't leave my bones in Egypt. Is that Joseph? Here's what he said. God is going to visit you. That's what he told his children and his grandchildren. God's going to visit you in this place. What was he doing? He was planting a word of God. In the next generation, you're not meant to stay in Egypt. And God is going to visit you in this place where you are, not to visit you only, but he's going to visit you and take you out of this place. And so I'm binding you to something. When he does, don't you leave my bones here. I'm dying, but just because I'm dying doesn't mean God won't fulfill his word for my life. Take my bones when you leave. He's going to take you out of here. He had faith for the word of God beyond his natural life. The Lord said he's taking me out. It may be my bones, but don't leave me here when he takes you out. He's going to do what he said he would do. It was hundreds of years later. But that got passed along. And they didn't leave his bones. When they left, they got his bones. He told us his word, the word of God, went from generation to generation. Amen. You ought to tell your children the word of God, what he's given you in Jesus name. Greet somebody. You're dismissed in Jesus name.